The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios, this is 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more from 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller & Condon, 11 o'clock hour, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 15 minutes or so. Zubin Mahente from ESPN will join the program in his normal spot. You know, Trent, the uh, the program is still so sad, so hard to believe uh, Eric Cooper passed away in mm-hmm. the... Apparently, there were 60 current and former Major League umpires that came into Des Moines uh, for the uh, funeral, which was held yesterday. Uh, Joe Torrey and Ted Barrett, crew chief Ted Barrett, uh, delivered eulogies at the funeral. But 60 former Major League umpires here um, to honor and memorialize Eric Cooper, Des Moines ump, whose funeral was yesterday. Well, speaking of baseball, but this is in a much uh, fonder light, Zach Reimer joins us, BleacherReport.com. It is Game 6 of MLB's World Series tonight. Zach Trenton, Ken in Des Moines. Bleacher Report is where you can read Zach. Thanks for coming on, Zach Reimer. Are we going to see baseball tomorrow, or does the curtain come down tonight? Uh, I don't want to bet against Steven Strasburg, but I I will take the Astros winning this game. Um, it seems like the it it just seems like the Nationals' magic has kind of run out. Even if they get a great performance out of Steven Strasburg, I still worry about their bullpen being able to handle you know two three innings whatever it may be. And the clutch hitting that got them through the regular season and into the postseason has kind of vanished over the last three games. And that's one of those things where it's like once that vanishes, there's no telling when it's going to show up again, if at all. So, you know, they were one. Uh, they were one for nineteen with runners in scoring position going into Sunday. It, it had to have gotten worse at that point, I would think. But that's to back up your point about that clutch hitting. It's disappeared, Zach. Yes, and uh, you know, clutch hitting is one of these things where you know when it's happening and the team seems to have a knack for it. It's it's great. I mean, you know, and they really did. Like I said, seem to have a knack for it on like not just through the regular season, but those first three postseason or a couple postseason series, first couple games of the World Series. But it's one of these things, it's not really kind of like a gene. It's not really like, you know, a fundamental talent that a team has. It really is just one of those things. And if it goes, it can go for, you know, for good. Um, and with this Nationals team, it's like I don't think that they can outslug the Astros. I don't think that collectively they have as good of an approach as the Astros do. So, uh, they're not going to out-hit them, so they have to out-pitch them and kind of go back to that point of, yeah, I trust Strasburg. I do not trust that bullpen. You mentioned uh, Strasburg. Strasburg will be opposite tonight. Justin Verlander, who has struggled here in this playoffs and has really struggled uh, against the long ball all season long. There's the talk of the change of baseball, but Verlander just in itself. What's gone wrong here? Have you seen anything different for him, the reason that he has struggled come playoff time? You know, the weird thing about him, like his overall line, especially in the last couple of games, is not that good, but it's really just been like one bad inning. And it's typically been the first inning mm-hmm. where just fastball command has not been there. And because of that, you know, Justin Verlander without fastball command is not Justin Verlander. Uh, so if he can come out tonight and get those first inning issues under control, literally, um, then he's going to be fine because he's been fine, you know, the rest of the, uh, rest of the innings he's pitched over the last few weeks. So. Uh, I'm not 
particularly down on him. I mean, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball for quite a while at this point. So uh, he's perfectly capable of matching up against Strasburg. Uh, Garrett Cole was so good uh, on, on Sunday night, and well, he's been so good literally this entire year. Is he the best pitcher in baseball, and does it seem like, I hate to say a foregone conclusion, that he's going to be wearing pinstripes when he plays his home games next year? Uh, is Garrett Cole, in your mind, baseball's best pitcher right now, and then this offseason, once he does move on, and seemingly he will, uh, is, he, is he bound for New York and in the American League? You know, best pitcher in baseball is funny because I think that label is a lot more fluid than, say, best player in baseball, which that's been Mike Trout for almost a decade at this point. Best pitcher in baseball seems to change every season. Like last year, it was probably Jacob deGrom, you know, Max Scherzer the year before that, Clayton Kershaw the year before that. Right now, uh, given the fluidity of that title, yes, I don't think there's any question that Garrett Cole is the best pitcher in baseball right now. Uh, you know, there are other pitchers throughout the league who have his fastball, who have his slider, who have his curveball, but no pitcher except for him has all three. And he also commands the ball very well. So, yeah, nothing to complain about when it, terms, when it, when it comes to his pure skill set. Uh, off season, I think, I do think he is going to beat David Price's $217 million contracts and a new record for a pitcher in free agency. But I'm not necessarily betting on the Yankees. You know, they've been connected to Cole for a long time at this mm-hmm. point. They originally drafted him many years ago. Um, but we've seen the Yankees in recent seasons just don't really want to do the long-term contract thing anymore. And, you know, they already have quite a bit of money kind of logged on their 2020 books, and they might not want to go over the luxury tax uh, threshold uh, again. So I don't know if they're going to necessarily outbid the uh, like the Los Angeles Angels, for example, who really need starting pitching and would really need to start putting a winner together around Mike Trout. The Philadelphia Phillies have a lot of money, and they desperately need starting pitching. The Astros will probably make a run to get him back. So uh, I don't think it's foregone conclusion at all that he ends up with the Yankees. Seven years, 250, is that a fair kind of range to look at? You're looking at, what, $36, $37 million a year at that point? The two hundred fifty million dollar range, yeah, that's probably what we're looking at. Um, although with this, the way free agency works now, I think you set the bar at two fifty, and he's probably going to end up like two thirty, two forty. Mm. Uh, Zach Reimer is our guest. Is Bleach Report as we talk MLB and World Series in particular. Well, let's say that they do get it done tonight. That the Nationals find a way in Strasburg, and I agree with you, Zach. If if indeed they're going to, Strasburg's going to have to go very very deep into this baseball game because the bullpen uh, that had been a huge uh, question mark coming into this series they certainly have fallen uh they did not pitch well in washington what happens tomorrow what are you hearing regarding scherzer i guess he's trying to you know get back out onto the mound would he be a possibility in your mind tomorrow and the likelihood of that possibility actually going to happen knowing what uh, the problems that he has you know, all I know is what the nationals and scherzer are saying which is that uh game seven is a possibility but, you know, from the, from the sound of uh, how he was sounding in his press conference, from uh, given all that came out about how just how seriously he was in pain, I, I would be kind of shocked if he came and pitched in any capacity tomorrow if there is a Game 7. But, um, you know, stranger things have happened. Uh, you know, maybe he'll pull off some kind of Kurt Schilling-like recovery in the next 24 hours, and uh, we'll, we'll see him out there. 
If there's ever a guy to do it, it's certainly Max Scherzer. Love that dude. All right. Hey, I want to jump away from the World Series for a moment. There's some other news and notes certainly percolating out there. One that really grabbed my attention I saw last night, Francisco Lindor, the Indians, very well could be sellers. They looked to do that last winter, decided to hold on, didn't get the pieces they were looking for, Kluber, some of the others out there. But the possibility of Lindor going to the Dodgers, how intriguing. I guess the rich get richer. The Dodgers get upset in the NLDS. Well, they'll just go get Francisco Lindor. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I I question whether or not they really need Francisco Lindor, given that they got Corey Seager at shortstop. Hasn't had the most productive couple of seasons, but he's been injured. So maybe he gets healthy and, you know, and gets back to what he was a couple of years ago. But, I mean, other than that, I have no reservations whatsoever about the Dodgers trading for Francisco Lindor. He's one of the best players in Major League Baseball and has been for several years at this point. And they would have him under their control through next season as well, through the 2021 season. Um, and they do line up pretty well as a trading partner for the Indians. The Dodgers, for several years at this point, have had always had kind of more talent than they really needed. Uh, outfielders that they could trade to the Indians, you know, uh, pitching that they could trade to Cleveland. So it lines up. I just, I, I, This is one of these situations where, kind of like Mookie Betts and the Red Sox, where it's like, yeah, I, I, it, there's an argument here that you should trade the guy, but... You also were, have been contending for several years at this point. You probably can contend once again in that uh, week AL Central. Maybe hold on to this amazing player that you have uh, and just pay him what he's worth. What's wrong with that? Hmm. Your thoughts on David Ross uh, getting the uh, getting the gig in Chicago? No managerial experience. Certainly a very uh, popular guy on that team, the World Series team, and a guy that they looked like for veteran looked at for veteran leadership. Um, I guess what would your concern be as far as David Ross taking over at the helm of uh, of Chicago's? He was at his uh, he was introduced yesterday. Uh, his lack of experience doesn't really bother me. That was just kind of the same thing with Alex Cora, Aaron Boone, a number of other guys who have kind of you know found success managing in the recent years, but. Um, I just wonder what his roster is going to look like at this point. Um, you know, he's taking over a team that has not been good enough the last couple of seasons. And, uh, you know, there's a possibility that Chris Bryan won't be there. Kyle Schwarber won't be there. Maybe they change up that pitching staff. Are they going to actually going to get him a functional bullpen? Um, I don't think David Ross is the one who's going to be under the microscope this winter and next season. It really is the front office who have kind of, really kind of fumbled the ball when it comes to actually sustaining the dynasty that they were supposed to be building. So uh, I hope that they go out, uh, go all out and get David Ross what he needs to succeed because that's really what this is all about. Last thing for you, Zach. What uh, I mean, obviously, if, if Chris Bryant wins his case uh, and, and and they give him that extra year, the meaning they, they would have started his clock and he would get uh, one uh, free agency a year quicker, how big are the reverberations through baseball? Because I got to think Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s people start very quickly, although he was injured. At least that was what the team said. But there's a bunch of guys, as you well know, that they want to keep in the minor leagues until they get past that magic date. Therefore, they get player control for an extra year. If Bryant and his team win this thing, how big uh, throughout baseball will this reverberate? You know, if you'd asked me that question a couple of years ago, I would have said it had, would have had huge reverberations. But um, you know, we the tide might already be turn, be turning against kind of what they call service time manipulation. You saw this year the Mets and uh, Padres brought up Pete Alonso and Fernando Tatis Jr. right away, uh-huh. 
and had great success doing that. So maybe that's the model for teams to follow now, saying, hey, you know what, that extra year of club control isn't worth it. Let's bring guys up when they're ready. Um, and beyond that, the other guy, only other guy I can think, I can think of getting possibly wrapped up in uh, implications from a Bryant uh, uh, grievance settlement would be Ronald Acuna Jr., and he's already been extended. So yeah, fair. immediately, I don't know if there are any really kind of pressing implications. It just will be kind of a victory against the, that really kind of dumb practice of manipulating guys' service time. So hopefully it's just another nail in the coffin of that. Zach Reimer from Bleacher Report. Is there baseball tomorrow, Zach? Uh, no. Yeah, I think the Astros are going to win. I do too, sadly. Unfortunately. Zach, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it, Zach Reimer. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to talk to you. Zach Reimer, Bleacher Report, uh, covers Major League Baseball. Um, I'm with him. Strasburg gives me hope. Verlander. He gives me a lot of hope. But then what would they do? What would the matchup be tomorrow? It's all hands on deck, and it's... But who starts? Scherzer. If he can give you anything, you go right away, don't you? Sure. And then you who, just see who, how long he can go. And, and then and who does Hinch counter with? I don't know. What does Cole give you? You're waiting for him in the middle like they did with but Bumgarner. It should be Granky, but do you? Yeah, I think you start there. there you go. And then the quick hook, and you go to Cole and see mm-hmm. what he's got left. For an inning or two, because he pitched Sunday, tomorrow be Wednesday. And remember when... Baumgartner did that against the Royals. Yes, and, oh, yeah. look what he did. And then he pitched, what, from the middle of the second all the way mm-hmm. to the seventh or something ridiculous like that? And very, you can see Cole doing the exact same what thing. Did the, remember when the Diamondbacks won in 2001? What was their game seven? Was it Randy Johnson seven? And eight? Did, did Schilling finish or did Randy Johnson finish? Do you remember that? I do, and I'm trying to put it together. But it was those two... Aces. Young Young Kim was not part of that. No, no, not at that time. Boy. Yeah, he was balloon. But uh, in 2001, if there was ever a year for the Yankees to win it, it mm-hmm. was that year. And, of course, we know what happened. They didn't get there. Uh, Zubin Mahente will join the program next. We've got some work to do, however, before we get to Zubin. It's time to put another $1,000 in your bank account or your bull bankroll. Simply text the keyword CAR. To 200, 200. That's car to 200, 200 right now. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Back with Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Miller and Condon with you until noon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you until noon. Murph and Andy today at 2. The Fanatics come your way at uh, 4 o'clock. Let's get to Zubin Mahente. He's back from vacation. He joins the program back in Bristol and back on your TV screen. Hello, Zubin. Trent and Ken, good to speak with you. How are you? Doing well, Ken. You'll appreciate this or anybody else that's ever lived out in the Denver area. I left Saturday. It was 62 degrees. (laughs) I got home. I opened my phone in Connecticut and saw there were six to twelve inches of snow it's in the Rocky Mountain. <laughs> Isn't it nuts, Zubin? You know, I could you could set your watch when I lived there to like three thirty in the afternoon every single day in the summer. The clouds would come over the mountains. It would rain for about forty five minutes to an hour. Then it would be 
Chamber of Commerce again until 3.30 the next day. Rinse and repeat. But it's a beautiful city. It really is. Um, too bad the football team's as bad as they are. I'm sure we'll do an NFL segment in a second. But, uh, you know, did you get to the – you were going to go to the Nuggets home opener. Did you get to it? It was spectacular. Yeah, they actually won an overtime over the Phoenix Suns, which was somewhat of a surprising result because Phoenix is one of the younger – less established teams in the league, and there's people out there thinking the Nuggets could grab the one seed. Last year, they grabbed the two. And lo and behold, uh, the Phoenix Suns lose to the Nuggets. The next go out, their next game, and they beat the seemingly vaunted Los Angeles Clippers with Kawhi Leonard in tow. So you never know what you're going to get from night to night. I mean, yeah. uh, last night was the first night this entire season where the Golden State Warriors led in a game. Can you believe that? They lost their first Crazy. two games by 47 points. Had not led in any of those two games, and uh, Draymond was very, very pointed. Steve Kerr said it was good, not going to be a one-off. There's going to be plenty of those nights. Even Steph, who's pretty much mild-mannered as anybody, fought back at the critics last night. So, yeah, it was definitely a great trip. And I'll tell you one thing with the weather, uh, you know, the Rockies have really struggled over the years. But, again, they were top five, I think top ten in attendance this mm. year, mostly because of that 330 to 3.30 thing you're talking about. Yeah, they have Arenado. They don't have much else to go watch. But if it's perfect, and you don't ever sweat, and you can just drink a microbrew, you can pretty much bank 30000 every single night, and that's going to put you in the top five, top ten attendance in Major League Baseball, even if you need a telescope to see the playoffs. No doubt about it, Zubin. I, I don't want to lose our audience. I mean, that's one of the things you, you try and keep your audience, as you know, and I don't want to go all Denver sports with you, but I'm going to do one more question at risk um, here of just losing them. Uh, I'm sure you saw a lot of blowback on a guy that I never thought would I, would ever be criticized. I mean, even when he had a bad game, it wasn't always fault. He was bad play calls. <laughs> Nothing was ever his fault, Zubin. Uh, boy, oh boy, he's got a lot of arrows coming his way. Peyton Manning falls into his lap. I never thought I would see the day that they want to run him out of town. You were just there. Am I crazy? That seems like they want to run him out of town. There does seem like a really large sentiment of people that is ready to move on. I don't think the people that are most in charge, Joe Ellis, team's president, they have a muddled situation and ownership at the current moment. Their owner posthumously was inducted into the Hall of Fame. He had uh, died and been out of the day-to-day operations for many, many years. But I agree with you. There seems to be a very, very large vocal contingent of people, big media names, as well as a large swath of fans, uh, that I ran into as I was kind of moseying around the town week to week. Everybody obviously wants to talk Broncos there all the time. I don't think it's going to happen, but you really get yourself into a situation now, correct me if I'm wrong, with Flacco out five to six weeks. Brandon Allen has never taken a snap. Drew Locke has never taken a snap. And the other guy... Brett Rippon. Brett Rippon, the old Boise State kid yeah. on the practice squad, has never taken a snap. So they have three quarterbacks that they can play Sunday... Obviously, it looks like they're going to go with Allen, according to Vic Fangio. But name me another team in the league that has their top three quarterbacks at this particular moment or any moment in time uh, where none of them, barring like an expansion team, or even they bring in like a Brunel or somebody, right? I mean, they have three quarterbacks that have never taken a snap in the NFL, and they have to decide what to do with Flacco because you're in a situation where you only get two designated to return spots off IR. Tim Patrick is going to take one of them who's their wide receiver, you would presume Drew Locke would be second. To. yes. Right, and then you really have to figure out whether you just have to keep Flacco on the active roster. So right now, they have three quarterbacks, one, two, three, whatever order it is, two, three. We know what one is. One, two, three. 
Zero total NFL snaps. I told Trent this earlier. It's all coming together <laughs> nicely. Looking for that 2-14 and 14 in the high traffic that'll come with it. Zubin Bahete joining us from ESPN. Zubin, you worked in Denver. Love your time there. You worked here in Des Moines. You've told us how much you enjoyed it here. Bristol, Connecticut. Maybe this is just a Keith Oberman thing from the years of hearing him complain about living in that outpost. But, you know, for the ESPNers, you got the big campus, you got ESPN. Living there in that part of it's got to be great. But the actual city, does it suck as bad as Oberman makes it out to be? <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. I live in a place called West Hartford. I always tell people this whenever I visit. I always go back to Iowa once a year. West Hartford is like Waukee. Like, okay. if you just drop somebody in to West Hartford, you'd be like, okay, where there's the shops, the boutiques, there's the schools, rapidly expanding population. I know Waukee's had that as well, or Ankeny, or something like that. So for me, it's no big deal, but as a single guy, I definitely kind of wanted to go to a place where there's some places to go, and a lot of the FBN people live around here, but Bristol's all good. Uh, you know, Keith can say that now, because when he appears, like Keith does come here from time to time, and we chat, but for the most part, when you see him on TV, is almost always uh, in New York. And I don't think anybody's going to compare Bristol in New York, so he's probably got the edge on that one. But it's all good here for sure. Uh, Zubin, uh, I love the fact that now, I don't know if this was purposely or not, but game day being, you know, Brooking, South Dakota last week and what it meant and what it meant when it was here in Ames um, back in September. And, and this week they're in Memphis. They're on Beale Street in Memphis. And next week there's a really strong potential that they're going to get to, you know, one of the few Power Five uh, schools that, that they've never been to before minnesota hosting penn state couple of unbeatens makes a ton of sense i get that it's alabama and it's lsu but they play seemingly unbeaten more times than not uh it's worked out well as far as game day and i gotta think that that's good for the brand as well right the fact that you know you're introducing one of the marquee programs at that network for to college football fans anyways uh to other people that normally wouldn't have had a chance to experience it's been a good year for game day for in that aspect, Zubin. Yeah, I'll tell you two things. One, next year the show is going to Ireland, so they definitely love the first, right, Ames first, huge success. This Saturday, I'm sure, will be a big success. Last Saturday was a great time. So first is something that they want to do. So if there's any possibility to get a first, I think it's always going to be under strong consideration. Um, And this year, thanks to people like Iowa State fans and South Dakota State fans, it just pushes the envelope even more. All the research says, and I know there's all sorts of discussion about having a great noon game for college game day, which is up about 4% this year to like 1.9 million. Having a good game for Fox is good for Big Noon Saturday, which is averaging just under 1 million viewers, about 970,000 viewers. And I know there's all this talk about, you know, that strengthens the pregame show and that gets the network off to a good start at noon. But the research that's shown, and I'm sure you guys fall into this group, so do I, people just watch college football throughout the day. Like, they're going to get to CBS at 3.30, even though there's nothing to whet their appetite with CBS at noon. And they're going to get to the Fox primetime game if they think it's good, and they'll get to the ESPN or ABC primetime game if they think it's good. So viewing patterns have always shown people just watch college football ebbing and flowing throughout the day. But I will tell you this, yesterday, every Monday, we have Feinbaum, Paul, on SportsCenter, and I said, listen, I'm going to put you in a pickle here. I know you're Mr. SEC, but I need you to take your SEC hat off, and you need to give me a stump speech for why it needs to be Penn State at Minnesota instead of LSU Alabama. And Paul, Hmm. Mr. SEC said, oh, it's not even close. It should definitely be Penn State, 
Minnesota. He said, you know, he's gone to LSU, and I've been doing LSU-Alabama game day as well. Um, he just says sometimes it's just a game that's amazing, but he just says, as a guy that used to work in Alabama for a long time before he joined the SEC Network uh, five, six years ago, he said, yeah, it's okay. It's LSU. It's Alabama. He pointed out a couple of seasons ago where they went to Alabama twice in one season, and it's still a great event. It's still a big happening. It's still the quote-unquote game of the century. It's still going to be one and two in the polls. But even Feinbaum said, with his SEC glasses straight on, <laughs> that it would be a better move to go Penn State in Minnesota. Although Paul did also mention nobody listens to him at ESC, an executive class. A lot of listeners and viewers do. So I'm not sure how it's going to work out. But even a guy like Feinbaum, I think, understands the value. Uh, I don't think he'd ever support a Big Ten thing over SEC, especially him. Uh, but even he understands the value of Ike so much better in many ways if it had been in Minnesota or if it will be in Minnesota. All right, Zubin, uh, want to jump back to the NFL and want to get your perspective on this. Today is the NFL trade deadline. We expect some kind of movement, but probably not anything that's going to be you know, overreaching and exciting, anything like that. In a sport like football, I, the salary cap, I understand, is a component here. But as teams get banged up, as players are banged up, doesn't it seem like it is a sport that would be ripe for a huge trade deadline like we get in baseball, the NBA, NHL? Why is it, in your mind, that the NFL, for whatever reason, we just have never got the big hoopla that the other three major sports get? I think things are changing a little bit. I mean, it's tough because here, here's the thing. You know, and you know, you guys have to sell all your content with Iowa and Iowa State, and I get to sell all of our content here. And this is nothing against the players. But today, like, if Darius Slay of the Detroit Lions gets traded, like, we're, we have to make, like, a big deal of it. <laughs> <It's just laughs> Yep. It's just that you can't get anybody fired up. He's a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's a great player. The Lions are that weird 3-3-1. Three, three They're kind of in it. They're not kind of in it. He's talented. He's unhappy. He's seen a couple of teammates get traded. And I just, you know, we're going to come out at 6 o'clock and be like, ladies and gentlemen, there it is. Darius Slay. <laughs> we just can't do it. Uh, let's hold off the World Series. Darius Slay has been traded. But I think that's really the biggest problem. Now, look, Jalen Ramsey could have easily been traded on this day, and that would actually qualify as a really big story. But I think in the NFL, because the valuation of draft picks is so high, now I think some certain teams are going away from it. The Rams essentially showed two number ones are great, but there's a chance that we won't be drafting anybody the caliber of Jalen Ramsey with those two picks. So let's go with the known commodity, the player that's still not even probably really in the prime of his career and let's go player for player swap. Ken, as you remember years ago, a Champ Bailey, Clinton Portis trade. Huge so trade. Gigantic trade. Yep. Just never happened because I think, Trent, in my opinion, too many people, for example, the Dolphins have like 13 picks in the 2020 draft, yep. right? After they traded for Kendry Drake yesterday to the Arizona Cardinals. They have 13 picks in next year's draft. And I think most teams think like the Dolphins. Let's just acquire picks, picks, picks. Most teams are very hesitant to let their picks go, and as a result, you have to come up with some sort of player swap, which is pretty rare, or yesterday's trade, or like an Emmanuel Sanders trade, or a Leonard Williams trade, or a Kenyon Drake trade. Now, these are, you know, I think Emmanuel Sanders is probably an A-level receiver, but I think probably part of the reason is just too many teams want picks in return, while most teams are trying to hoard picks for the draft, and as a result, you just don't get a lot of that 
Uh, Zubin, there's some buzz here regarding the trade deadline. Pursuant to Le'Veon Bell with the Jets, I guess the Jets are, you know, they're, the for sale sign is out in, in the front yard. Uh, last night, James Conner tore his ACL. He's done for the year. I think Benny Snell was hurt in the football game. As Trent points out, and rightly so, the Steelers are still, believe it or not, alive in this thing. Is it crazy to think that they could patch that relationship up, that Le'Veon Bell could make his way back to Pittsburgh? God knows they need him. They have no running back at this point, Zubin. Is that crazy? I don't think anything's out of the realm of possibility. They always seem like more of a staid, conservative organization, sort of like, okay, been there, done that. But to your point, Connor got hurt, sales evaluated. If I'm not mistaken, Jalen Samuels, is coming back from arthroscopic knee surgery. Um, and they have one healthy running back, I think, right now on the roster. Fry Edmonds is the guy's name. That's it, yeah, Edmonds, yeah. That's nice. Right, so you got three guys out. You're trying to stay in it. It really depends on what kind of confidence they have in Mason Rudolph. Can this guy actually make something of himself and carry the team to a certain degree? I wouldn't rule it out. I think the Steelers are less likely to do it than other organizations to welcome back older players that have had problems. But I will tell you with the Jets, you know, one thing when you watch a Jet game, you know, he was frustrated on Sunday against Jacksonville. But I go back to the press conference when, I don't know if your listeners saw this or just heard it, when he announced Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell, who that of Gates, their head coach, was out. Uh, and obviously Sam had the mononucleosis. And at that point, I think there was a shoulder injury for Le'Veon Bell. You know, Gates comes to the podium kind of with this scraggly beard, cap over his head, stands with both hands on the lectern, doesn't look up, terrible body language, really a coach that a lot of people don't know if he could coach after two jobs, stands there and says, number 14 is out, number 14 is mononucleosis, number 26 is out, number 26 is a shoulder issue we're working through, and you don't look up and you don't project any leadership or confidence into mess. And I understand that's a devastating blow when you have to go out there and tell the rest of the fandom that we've lost our starting quarterback and our biggest free agent acquisition and we're struggling. And at that point they had not won a game. Eventually they beat the Cowboys, but I just don't like what I see leadership wise from Adam Gase. And maybe there's something there with Le'Veon Bell. I don't know if he has any beef with Gase, but every time I see Gase, he doesn't comport himself like a head coach. Zubin, final thing for me to the world series game six tonight and hopefully behind it a game number seven. But in terms of TV ratings, people are not watching this. The Nationals, a quote-unquote newer franchise after the move from Montreal. And, of course, Houston, though a big market, not a big national following. Anything to read into this? I believe four of the bottom ten games ever in TV attendance or just the way the world is going now and their love affair with baseball. I think it's the latter. You're right. Game one was one of the ten lowest World Series rated games of all time. and Maybe a minor bump during Game 3, but for the most part, it's hovering somewhere around the 11, 12 million mark. As we all know, in the 70s, Ken, probably that number was, what, 30? Mm, probably 30 million yeah. watches. We're down to about 11. It is what it is. There's a couple of interesting stories here. Again, your point, Trent, is there any story that can reel in the casual fans? Probably not. But the one we're looking at tonight, we'll see if Verlander can end it or Strasburg can possibly extend it. How about the rich getting richer? And I mean figuratively, and literally, Anthony Rendon, free agent, yep. already turned down $210 million. Crazy. <laughs> Steven Strasburg can opt out. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Garrett Cole is looking to become probably the highest paid per annual pitcher in the history of baseball. All represented by Scott Boone. 
Oh, crazy. <laughs> All of them. Wow. <laughs> Sign of the time, he also represents Altuve, who's locked up for a while. But if there's anything to be had, maybe if this thing does end tonight, those three guys, as possible, Strasburg pitched his last pitch as the National Rendon played his last game in National Park, that's possible. And we'll see what happens with uh, Cole, who's the UCLA kid. And it kind of looks like both the Dodgers and the Angels could do some pitching. So I don't know if there's anything that can do to bump tonight's number. But if there's any sort of look ahead, it seems a little juicy with those three guys, reps by a guy that has a pretty solid reputation of going for top down. Uh, Zubin, since we, this is my last thing for you. Since uh, you were on vacation, we never had a chance to talk to you about this last week, and it would have been very timely because the Jets had played the night before. Look, Sam Darnold, it's not like ESPN snuck a microphone onto his equipment somewhere. He willingly decided to wear the mic. Um the audio was picked up that he's seeing ghosts, and that audio was played during the telecast. And the blowback that followed really surprised me, Zubin. I mean, he wore he he volunteered or willingly put that microphone on and was willing to do that. It was a great sound bite. I thought it was you know as a football fan, I'm I'm all for those type of things. I guess inside the building, were they surprised that the blowback came to at ESPN the way that it did for? you know, having the audacity to share some of the audio that Sam Darnold put out there after he volunteered to wear the mic. Yeah, I would say, I would say quickly, Ken, two things on that. One, um, I know Adam Gase came out the next day and was really angry about it and talked about the relationship and how we were going to have to handle things moving forward. But one thing I don't think that got picked up as widely, but Tuesday morning ESPN put out a release on this and I think sometimes when, you know, the talk radio starts going and inter- the Internet and Twitter and social media starts going, it's a blowback. Then Coach Gates comes out and says, we have to start reevaluating what we're doing. He has fuel to the fire. Um, but I don't know why this wasn't put out more strongly by the company, although it was put out. And that is the final arbiter to use any of that sideline, what we call sound, sideline commentary, is done by NFL film. So they have a person on site that's recording everything that Darnold says. Obviously, they're just using the bits and pieces, including the seeing ghost comment. But at the end of the day, there's actually somebody in the stadium, in every stadium that this is done at, Great info. from NFL film. And they will say, don't use this, can't use that, can use this. Hmm. And so they at NFL film clear it. And obviously, when somebody at ESPN says, well, we can, we can run this, and they're saying, yes, you can run it. Right. We're clearly going to put it on TV because it's a truly organic, visceral, amazing moment. You never hear from a quarterback. Maybe that's not in high school. You never hear that from a college or NFL quarterback. But I just wanted to mention that NFL Films actually has the final say because they use all this great stuff for their specials. They actually have the final say on what crosses. And then ESC merely puts it on television because they happen to be the TV partner that night. Obviously, it caused a ton of strain. But I just wanted to clear that up. I'm glad you Once did. the ball started rolling, a lot of it was put on ESPN. I'm not putting it on NFL Films, but NFL Films has the ultimate green light, and then we just put on what they tell us we can put on. I had no idea. That's, that's great info. Zubin, thank you as always. We'll talk to you a week from today. Appreciate it. You got it, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you, Zubin Mahanti. That's good info, Trent. Yes. Because ESPN, look, I guess if, if it was CBS or NBC or 
uh, Fox, they would have done the same thing, and NFL Films would have cleared. Did you see last night? You probably didn't, because who watches halftime now of a Monday Night Football? Well, it's so disappointing we don't got musical acts anymore. They 86 the musical act. Well, I, I have nothing to stick around for at halftime now. All right, Mr. Smarty Pants, name one band that played the first seven weeks. I knew none of them. Of course you didn't. I'm getting old. Uh, you, we both are. We'll be back. Miller and Condon continue. It's Des Moines Sports Station. Great info from Zoom at 1460. It's 24 hour sports, morning, noon, and night. You're on 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Final couple of minutes here. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Uh, David Kaplan tomorrow, anxious to talk to Cappy. What's his take on David Ross when we converse with Cap? He'll have a take. Thumbs up or thumbs down? What bothers him? What worries him? Or is he all in? I think he will be thumbs up. Mm-hmm. It is. It takes a lot of negativity to make Cappy negative. Well, the, yeah, with the Cubs. Well, wait till we bring up the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> with the Cubs, yes. The Bears are a different story. Right. And boy, there will be plenty of negativity to throw around with that one. But I think he'll be optimistic. He'll bring the hopeful angle. Do you see it the same way? I do. All right, Mr. Program Director, what would our audience want to hear first? Do they want to hear bad news or David Ross? Bears, That's football. I'm with you. You talk about King football all the time and you're all... I'm just asking you. You're right. I think it's Bears... Despite the fact the Cubs have a new skipper, Bears are topic number one. And David Montgomery, Mm -hmm. they ran the football. Did you see the quote from Nagy? Yeah, that he do it a thousand times again or something like that? Except he didn't do it just 10 months months prior in the playoff game. Third and two. I didn't see that. He threw the football to the end zone, missed it, and of course the double doink that happened afterwards. Right. They gave Trubisky the football to chance to win the game himself 10 months ago. So five but yards. Do it, do it again. Right. And he did. He's, he's dying on that hill. What, one thing I do have to give credit Nagy for uh-huh. is the PR staff was getting ready to shoe him off the stage, the dais there. As he was a- after asked, the game, you mean? No, that during the press conference yesterday. Okay, yep. And he stuck around. He shooed them away and said, no, I, I can answer some more. And he stood there mm-hmm. and took, I saw one of the beat writers, I think it was Briggs, another 12 to 15 questions he really? stood there and took. And he was he was getting some because arrows. Because if I, you I ever watch them. or listen to a press conference, you can always hear toward the last question. Yep. <laughs> and it was that. Yeah. And he said, no, I'm good. I'll take good some more. Good for him. Yes. That Good is something him. you rarely see anymore. Uh, is are his days numbered? Does does he get another year? Trent, I don't think this team is going to make the playoffs. No. It's hugely disappointing. I bought in. I think a lot of people did. Um, you picked it to your credit. You picked the Vikings to win the division. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still feel good about that. No, I do too. Even though they're a game back. No, you've got the right team. Uh, the, here's the thing. The Packers, the Lions, and the Bears still have to all go to U.S. Bank. Yes. The Vikings have played their Big divisional road guy games on the road already. Um, so does Nagy get another year? I think so. But, eight and eight. But doesn't this feel like a Mark Trespin situation? A little better, but I get your point. Came onto the scene, look at this offense, uh-huh. it looks like they know what they're doing, innovative, and then... But Mark Trespin arrived from the CFL, and everybody turns looks down their nose at the Canadian, and I do too. <laughs> well, but when it was going well, it was great. Same thing with Nagy. Uh-huh. People are, bad football will turn people against you, regardless of where you came from. You come from the high school level. Yeah. It's going good. Mm-hmm. Thumbs up. And it's going bad right now. But the other thing that he said before the game uh, against the Chargers, well, I wasn't brought here to run the I formation. And what did they do? 
They ran the I formation. Yeah, they did. That was their most effective. Yes, thing. it was. And, and no, you weren't brought here to run the I formation or any gadget he plays that you come up with, including putting three running backs on the field on the goal line. No, but you were brought to work here. You were brought to do what's working here. You're brought and that to win football games. Win football games. Right. That's what you're brought for. It doesn't matter the how. Right. In the NFL, it's difficult to no do. Question. But you have to win football games, whatever way. Scratch where it itches. The old Haydenism. Mm. It certainly applies here. The season's over for the Bears, though. Yeah, I think you're sadly. I believe you're right. All right, let's uh, let's get you on record here tonight. Uh, no chance of baseball. Everybody thinks it's over. So for that reason, I give the Nationals a big shot. Yeah, just a little bit of hope there. Just hopeful that. A game seven, they're just so intriguing. Oh, and there's nothing, there's no college football at all tomorrow. Right. They decided to stay away from baseball, so there's no Sun Belt or Maction. So help me out with this. What were they scared of on Friday night? Do you see the games we got on Friday night? Princeton at Cornell, Navy at UConn. Navy UConn. Mm. Not going to do it for you? Are your picks coming up this week? Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe I should. You do like those Friday games. Um, you, you've started to stay away, though, here as of late. Uh, yeah, you know what I was going to do this week? I'm going to pick the games, and I'm going to tell you to reverse them all. Oh, really? You're going to do? You're going to pull gonna that one out? I'm going to try that one. Uh, Virginia Baylor on Thursday night will be fun. But uh, I'm going to say there's baseball tomorrow. I'm hopeful that you're right. I'll jump aboard with you. I mean, Strasburg, right. you can't go wrong, right? Against Verlander. Who is, and He's had that bad inning. Yes, it's a bad inning, and it usually comes early in the baseball mm-hmm. game, and that gets him. So we'll see. I will be playing the first inning odds tonight. Going to go the over? On the first inning? First inning. And what will they set that at? One it's, and a half? It's usually one or one and a half, just depending. I'm going to guess tonight it'll be one, and you'll have to do some juice along with it. But that's what I'm going to play tonight, because you know me. i got to have a play. So that's, do that, that's good if somebody has to do something at 7.30, <laughs> right? Right. That right. you can actually you know, you bet, get your bet for, in. Right. You can watch and all of it. you can watch it and see if you win or whether you lose. You're a sick one, Trent Condon. That's, uh. Uh, that's one of the beauties of you. All right, tomorrow, Cappy's going to be part of the program. We look forward to that. We've got a whole bunch of other stuff as well, but Cappy will be joining us. We're going to talk some Bears and some Cubs with Cappy. Uh, Murph and Andy are coming your way at 2 o'clock. Then the Fanatics, they'll slide on in here tonight. Do they have a full shift tonight? Tuesday, they should, right? I can't think of anything else. Is the Wild Joe? I don't know if the Wild, I think that's only yeah. a once a month. I'm deal. looking at the schedule. Wide open tonight. Four Three to seven hours. for the boys. Uh, and then tomorrow morning, the morning rush will start things all over again at six before Trent and I slide in here at 10. Thanks for being with us. We're Miller and Condon, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.